Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jazzy, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Halo Halo podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Ishebeg people. It is Filipino travel bloggers as we start off this month of July <laughs> and happy Canada Day to all of our Canadian listeners out there, as well as talking later on about connection to the islands. But before we get into that, SIGS. Let's catch up. What have you been up to pop culture-wise? Hi, Kuya. I miss you. I was in Toronto. I miss you, too. I miss you in Toronto, and we were just like ships crossing in the night. We've been very busy. I know, I know. It was like Pride weekend, and it was like so many things to do, and it was like the first Pride in a couple of years, and it was just like, oh my gosh, I'll see if I can sneak you guys in, but alas, that was not the case, but at least we had time in Montreal, right? Were you able to catch any Pride, Kuya? Oh my God, I caught the parade, saw quite a few friends and stuff like that that I haven't seen since since the pandemic. No way. It was nice to be out for the gay community. I caught some voguing at Nathan Phillips Square, nice. you know, walked the Church Street mm-hmm. Fair, had a few pride dinner parties and stuff like that. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. It was like, oh my gosh, we're getting back to normal, I think. <laughs> Crossed fingers. But it was also kind of like getting back in the swing of things. I think a lot of people were kind of rusty in terms of socializing (laughs) or rusty in terms of getting into the swing of things or even rusty in terms of like how to socialize. And then there was just so much to tell people like, you know, what did you do during the pandemic and stuff like that? Or how did you cope with the pandemic? Or what was the drama that you experienced in the pandemic? Or what were the difficulties and stuff like that? But it was just nice to kind of be out again. It was like, oh... I hope the pandemic is becoming endemic. I can only hope, right? But they keep talking about in the fall that there might be another resurgence and stuff like that. But in the meantime, it was just nice to enjoy it. But it was fun. It was very fun. And I I got to catch a lot of festivities along the way. That's amazing. We were downtown in Nathan Phillips Square across the street from our hotel. And the kids and I were outside. And they got to spend a little time with our friend Victor, who was from Hong Kong. But we saw a lot of people walking with a lot of proud memorabilia. And Mm -hmm, Delaney and Mac were like, oh, they're wearing rainbows. I'm like, they are, because it's an awesome day. And they get to be yes. who they are. And Delaney and I were pointing out, look at the sparkles on that person. And look at those balloons. Mm. And I go, isn't that cool? And like some people were wearing chaps and some of them were wearing like little Speedos and these beautiful shirts with like all this shimmery stuff. You know, like the shirts where the kids can change the colors. Fun. And Delaney was just so enamored. She's like, it's wonderful. I'm like, yeah, they're just having a good time and enjoying. And and I think she's familiar with school. I think they mentioned that it was Pride Weekend. And uh, people yeah. get to be who they are and enjoy it. So it was, it was yeah, really great. Yeah, like it is a celebration of who who we are as a queer community, which is fantastic. And I always remind myself that at the end of the day, even though it's a parade, it started off as a protest and a march. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me that it's a human rights event that we're actually celebrating, right? Like freedoms being given across or equality and equity being given to even marginalized populations like the queer community as a whole. And so... It's just important, at least for me. And I'm glad that your kids got to see it too, right? At least parts of it. This is important. Like equity is important, which is kind of like what our podcast is about too, is trying to make sure that we all have equal footing and equitable opportunities in front of us. So fantastic. That's great. So glad to hear that they got to even see parts of it. Oh, they were. It was great. But 
pop culture wise. Now, yeah, there's been some fun stuff that's been going on that's been starting to stream. And two of the things I've been into are two shows that begin with the letter L. And I do love mm, the letter L, me. not just because it starts with Luchun and Lumpia and Longanisa, <laughs> but the one that I just started was a show called Loot, which is streaming on Apple TV, starring the amazing Maya Rudolph, who is this well-to-do billionaire named, I think, Maya Novak, if I'm mm. not mistaken. I think Maya Novak. No, Molly Novak. And she's Molly very Novak. well-to-do. She has this huge yacht. And her husband, played by Adam Scott's like, honey, this is all for you. She's just living the lap of luxury. She finds out on her birthday that her husband's cheating on her. <gasps> and she says, I want a divorce. And her husband, oh, no. who is a dot-commer, she's been with him for so long. And she does this epic breakup in front of people on her birthday. I was with you and made love to you when you were ugly and you didn't put money on your body. <laughs> Very funny. With, like, cameos with, like, Seal. And she decides to, what do I do with this money? She has no prenuptial agreement, so she becomes, like, the third famous, most richest woman all over this world. And she realizes what is she doing with her life and what is she about? And she finds out that she has this, I guess like a philanthropy company headed by, mm. you're going to love this, MJ Rodriguez, Michaela J. Rodriguez, who's the main. Who was at the parade, actually. She, no way. MJ Rodriguez yeah. was there. She was, yeah. I love her skin. She's stunning. Flawless. She's flawless. She's beautiful. And you've said that before, two years before, you're like, Siggy, this woman, she is the head of this philanthropy, the arm that Molly <laughs> hasn't been there. And she's just not quite in touch. And she wants to do better. She wants to learn more. <laughs> and what even, you're even going to love it. The cast is fantastic. Ron Futches plays her cousin who gets employed at this philanthropy group and her assistant who's been with her for a long time is played by Joel Kim Booster. Of course. <laughs> and they're just trying, she just wants to do good in the world and she doesn't realize that she does have a lot of privilege and what can she do to make things better? The first three episodes have dropped. You'll love it. It's Maya Rudolph at her prime. How can you go wrong with Maya Rudolph? The daughter right? of Minnie Riverton. And what sounds like a stellar cast to be on yeah. loot as they loot absolutely <laughs> and you know what I've loved Joel Kim Booster I know we'll talk about him a little bit more because he was on that show Sunnyside which I got cancelled and I was very upset about because he's just a funny mm. guy and he's just one of those things like I know we want to be nice but can't we just you know still be you know rich and stuff and it's super <laughs> great and Maya her character Molly wakes up and she has like a staff of 60 just to get her dressed in the morning she's like I'm oh going to work God, today so hilarious. I don't know what you guys are going to do I'll see you at 6 30 and her whole staff goes what do we do they're like we can go swimming and they all went swimming while she's trying to do <laughs> her life but I watched the first two episodes very funny and Lots it's of hilarious just, eh? just hilarious and she has this a little bit of like Alexis vibe, vibe on her like ooh when I hung yeah. out with this person or like Seal was supposed to sing on her birthday <laughs> and she's like I sang with like Michael Bolton to you and he's like Seal's like you sang to Michael Bolton like <laughs> a lot of in jokes you'll love it a little bit of escape now streaming on Apple but it's something to watch so kind of like a fish out of water. Fish out of water. In, she wants in, to do good. She knows that she's in the wrong, but she's like, what is it I can do better? And she even has that square wow. talk with MJ Rodriguez's character. Like, listen, for all my life, I never really established who I was. I have all this money. I can do something with it. Yeah. Well, what can I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, that sounds I, like a great comedy yeah. and message and kind of a play on making fun of people that are kind of 
artificially woke in some ways, That's exactly right? it. So, Addressing the gaps yeah. that she needs to. The second fun, show fun, fun, fun. is called The Lake, which is actually on Amazon Prime. Starring, yeah, I saw the interstitials for you, that, too. Yeah, it's tell it's, us. It's set in North Bay in Canada. And yes, the main yes, character, yes. And I do apologize. I'm talking in third person here. The main character is the birth father of this girl. And he decides to spend summer with her. Now, she's been fully adopted, and there's an open adoption. And her birth father, who is gay, who had impregnated one of his best friends, and they had this daughter, <laughs> open adoption, said, okay, I'm going to spend time with you. He fled the United States. He went to Australia. Now he came back. And the daughter, you know, was a little bit wary to hang out with her birth father. He's a bit of, like, a, a mess. And so he takes her to this mm. place where he vacations the lake. And it's set in North Bay. It's set in Canada, oddly yeah. enough. I thought it was in Muskoka, but it's in North it's, Bay. It's North Bay. I think it's, like, disguised as Muskoka. Like, right. I think okay, you would see yeah. it. And it's such a summery feel, like, it, where you have to boat to the cottage. And the cottage he grew up in that was supposed to be left to him was bought by someone, and he finds out it was his stepsister, played by <laughs> none other than the lovely Julia Stiles. Right, yes, yes, What's yes. great I about it, it is a total diverse cast. Julia Stiles is in interrelational relationships, or her husband is Asian. There's, yeah, they have two sons that are mixed. One of them is identified, I don't know, as queer, the younger one. Very smart, very mm. bright, very creative, trying to help his mom, Maisie May, become like the president of this little North Bay group. And there's a lot of cottage hijinks. <laughs> and just this, the main character is just trying to really connect with his birth daughter. Of just saying, you know, mm. sometimes you just need to relax, have a bag of chips, and just enjoy the <laughs> summer. But the hijinks and the fact that it's Canadian based is super funny. You're just like that's super uh, funny. Yeah. And Julia Styles, yeah, she's amazing. And I remember her in interviews saying, "Oh, I'm in Canada right now," and I'm like, Vancouver or whatever. Canada. And it's North Bay. And if those who are Canadian from Ontario want to see a little bit piece of Canadian, and it's still like. Equivalent to staying at the cottage and those communities at the cottage with beach babes or lifeguard goofs and just trying to find their space in there. And the birth father just wants to make her summer memorable and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to redeem himself like he had a horrible childhood, not getting along with his father. And for him to realize that his father got along before his death with Julia Stiles' son, who is gay. And mm. he, how is that different? And why did Maisie May get control of this cottage? Cottage, yeah. And he finds, like, I guess the paperwork regarding the cottage and realizes that if she moves out, it will go to him. Wow. So wow. the hijinks is so, like... So sibling hi- rivalry, rivalry then ensues, sibling right? Rivalry. Whether they're jousting on the water to win over or they're having a games <laughs> night, Kuya. Yeah. It's like, I think, an eight-episode binge, half an hour. But if you want that summer, it has all the summer feels that you want for a good summer binge. It's called The Lake on Amazon Prime. Well, I'm going to have to check them both out. That's actually clever as a plot simply because how many times is like a family cottage up for division amongst surviving heirs and stuff like that. And so it's interesting that they're playing on it and having a nod to Canada at the same time. Oh, and big time, especially with different family combinations. Families are composed of what? An open adoption couple saying, no, please spend time with your birth father. You never spend time with you don't want to, but you have no problem spending time with your birth mother, who's this famous, beautiful black singer. And, you know, it's just a lot of hijinks, a lot of fun. It's almost like, oh, this is totally like a sitcom, but filmed beautifully. And with Julia Stiles wow. being her, like, Katarina Stafford from 10 Things That Hate About You, type of yeah, yeah, way, yeah. you will love it. 
Misha would love to it. To center stage to know this. Exactly. Oh, go Julia. Yes, Julia, Julia Stiles. Julia Stiles. Julia Stiles. We love her. What yes, Julia have Stiles. you been yeah. into pop culture-wise? I want to hear. Well, it's so interesting that you were talking about Joel Kim Booster. Mm-hmm. Finally saw Fire Island. Ah, I know that you had seen it. And I, I just absolutely loved it. It's so smart. Because I thought to myself, <laughs> oh, it's going to be a bunch of prissy gay men. Not that there's anything wrong with mm-hmm. that, right? But it's just not part of the community, the gay community that I necessarily relate with. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was just like, oh, I'm curious to see what it was about. It is a clever application of Pride and Prejudice to the gay New Yorker male. Oh. And having such a diverse cast at the same time. Yeah, they were very faithful to the adaptation of Pride and Prejudice to the gay community. Oh, yeah. Outplaying itself or playing itself out on Fire Island, which is this breaker island off the coast of New York. Mm -hmm. And so just wonderful. It was just a wonderful adaptation of it and evolution of certain roles of particular people. Like it was clear who the character of Mr. Darcy was and who Elizabeth was and all of that stuff. But it was just kind of like explaining what their roles would be today, Mm -hmm. especially amongst the gay pantheon of people so it was quite wonderful and actually like the true test is actually michael right because michael wouldn't necessarily Mm. enjoy a film he actually thought it was quite cute and funny at the same time and so yeah wonderful i can't suggest it enough even if it's not your thing to watch like and the band played on type of stuff this was a really great again adaptation and clever adaptation at that especially if you're a big or austin two things i'm gonna ask you about because yeah. I saw this and I'm like, have you seen this yet? Because this is right up your alley. I love Joel yeah. Combuster. We love Bo and Yang. Matt Rogers, Last yes. Culture, he says. Number one, Conrad Rica Mora is in the cast, who is Filipino. Yes, that's right. Wonderful. Didn't he fit? Like he, To me, I'm like, oh, this is like a Colin Firth. I thought he was great. He was totally great as that character. And, and yet, like, has like a hidden streak behind him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I just want to see more, like Fire Island 2 and all <laughs> that stuff. But it's like, it can just end there because you just know that there has to be a happily ever after and people find love and Mm -hmm. overcome whatever they need to overcome. Yeah, he was fantastic, actually. He surprised me. But he's Filipino, right? So how great is that? Number two. Now, folks, Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen Fire Island, as Jess says, go out right now after you listen to our podcast and watch it on uh, Disney+. Plus. What did you think? There was a musical moment. There was two. But the musical moment, I think, there was an arrangement by Bo and Yang... Of the song Sometimes by Britney Spears. Please tell me your thoughts. Right. Go ahead. Well, every rom-com needs a good karaoke moment. Yes. Right? Don't you need a good karaoke moment? Like My Best Friend's Wedding with Julia Roberts. Exactly. Dionne Warwick. Yeah. Dionne Warwick, right? It's kind of like it's almost part of the narrative formula. And I know it's formulaic. But you're looking for it. And it's always like, oh, there's the character who needs to be able to say what they need to say to the person that they love, but has to tell it through song. So when it like sometime came up, I just was howling. Yeah. I was howling, howling, howling. Loved you it. would kill on that arrangement. You would kill that. Totally. Me and Tara totally. would be your backup dancers. You'd be my backup dancer that, but you, for sure. I could totally see you do it. That kind. Sometimes I'm and like the saccharine yes. voice. Like sometimes I cry. Yes. Like, I just thought of you. I'm like, kuya. 
about you. Loved it. About you. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What else have you been up to? What's in your pop culture bag? What else have I been up to? Well, the other thing that I've been up to pop culture wise is finally catching up on Legendary. Oh. As you know, I've been busy with work yeah. for the last couple of months. I haven't even been able to see season two. I've seen season one when it first came well, out. That's right. But I didn't see season two. And so burn through season two. It was very odd to see all of this voguing and voguing down with like no people in the audience. And I just kind of felt bad for the different houses that were performing Uh in the sense that it's like you kind of feed off the energy. If you're voguing, you're almost kind of voguing off of what people's reactions are. And, you know, either to do more of something, you Mm -hmm. know, that pleased the crowd or less of something. So they only had the four judges and sometimes the four judges rightly needed to be kind of tight-lipped about their reaction because they had to score them afterwards, right? Mm. It's been nice to watch season three because they've reintroduced the audience all masked, which is so funny because all the audience members are masked with like glitterati type masks (laughs) and stuff like that. So it's like stylish masks. But it's just been wonderful to watch and see how voguing has evolved over the 35 years that I've known it from the late 90s to now, right? So it's interesting. And there was a moment that they were voguing in terms of classic versus like new voguing and stuff like that. The classic straight lines, right? Oh. So classic voguing is all about straight lines. While like new voguing, it's the same lines, but they're a little bit more fluid. Now, classical voguers might look at new voguers and think, oh, like you're a little being sloppy or whatever like that or, or not as messy. But, you know, new voguers would probably say, oh, like we get to be really fluid in our posing and stuff. So I don't think it makes a difference. I just think it's actually less about believe it or not, about the technique. It's more about the attitude. And that was something that they were commenting on in season three is that you have to really have this kind of gritty attitude to Vogue. And it's kind of hard to explain unless you've actually done parts of it or at least were part of a scene at one point. And I remember early, early in my club years, late 80s, early 90s, which really dates me at this point, seeing this kind of gritty kind of attitude to want to kind of outcompete or Vogue down, Vogue against other dancers and stuff like that. And so some of it, like you can kind of tell that it's like, oh, you're a classically trained dancer just doing the movements, Mm -hmm. not necessarily Voguing per se. And one one house got actually called out for oh, it no way. season three. So that was really intense. Yeah. So it was really kind of interesting to see. We're almost finished it. We've got just a couple more episodes. Mm-hmm. I've got certainly my favorites. The other interesting thing too was that one of the houses was in town or the winner of season two was in town for Pride. So it was no kind way. of fun to That's see cool. people there. Yeah, that was really <clears> cool. And then the other thing that I caught up on pop culture wise is The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. So I'd finally seen, yes. The right la- now. And in light of like the reversal oh. and upturn an overturning of Roe v. Wade oh in the United States, it feels really chilling to have then watched The Handmaid's Tale and think to ourselves, wow, like look at this narrative kind of almost feel like it's mirroring modern day. You can kind of see the clawback of rights and stuff like that. All these rights are connected to other rights of inclusion. I just kind of worry what is going to happen to gay rights down the road or other rights with respect to immigrants or newcomers for that. So these are just things to just kind of worry about. And it just kind of reminds me of kind of like, if we don't stand up now, like when do we, are our rights going to be taken away? Which kind of leads me back to the pride parade where I always Mm -hmm. find that it's important to kind of show up because the day that you don't show up is when people start trying to take things away. That is such a good point to highlight that. I think we'll revisit this. I think this will be... Yeah, we'll have to revisit revisit it at some point. It's it's weird when your pop culture becomes from fiction to nonfiction. Yeah, it kind of mirrors life in some ways. So watching The Handmaid's Tale just really made me want to go traveling. (laughs) 
somewhere else, which interestingly enough, that is what today's episode is about, is about Filipino travel bloggers, right? Mm -hmm. And I know that when we were curating our entire season last August, so August of 2021, we were thinking about, oh, well, what a great topic to talk about in the month of July, travel bloggers and stuff like that. Now, Six, do you have any like travel Filipino bloggers that you follow or do you follow any travel blogs? Not really. Like I, I come into sometimes with Erwin Husaf, but I think he's much more kitchen oriented and like with food, yes. food blogging. But no, I'm not as familiar as you seem to be about Filipino travel bloggers. So I, I'm willing to hear about some people I should follow. Yeah. Or, well, give me a primer if you can. I love Erwin, first of yeah. all. And it's interesting because he started off more travel and then went into lifestyle and food and then is much more food yes. and stuff like that. And I find that that's kind of what a lot of vloggers are, oh, right? Yeah. Vloggers and social influencers. They'll start on one piece and then eventually get to uh, another. And so there are two Filipino sets of vloggers that I wanted to highlight. Okay. The first is David Guisson and Crystal because his girlfriend seems to be, at least in the later parts, figures a lot in the vlogs. Okay. I, I would consider him now a travel and lifestyle vlogger, and he's been around since... 2011, and he's got a lot of subscribers. Oh, he's yeah. got over 327,000 subscribers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, so the benchmark is 100,000 subscribers, of course. And then, you know, if you get those 100,000 subscribers, you get your nice little YouTube trophy and stuff like that. <laughs> People become proud. But I have to say, I didn't really find him in 2011. I d he didn't really come to my intention until I was like looking up stuff for Shergao. And this was a couple of years oh. ago. And they actually had filmed how they were stranded in Shergao oh, no because of the pandemic, actually. And so that they weren't actually allowed to leave their quarantine zone until, like, you know, certain restrictions were lifted and they met certain travel requirements. David and Crystal have very much focused themselves now on day trips from Manila and long weekend mm -hmm. stays and longer excursions, but still focuses on lifestyle and fashion on his YouTube channel. And he's gone to places from Pampanga and La Union to, of course, Boracay and El Nido. And I would say that their type of Filipino travel blogging is less about being off the beaten path and more about established tourist destinations, oh. which I think it like fits with their lifestyle. I've seen other Filipino vloggers that are all about kind of like, let's go to some place in the Philippines that no one's talking about oh, wow. and going someplace not touristy. They're very much the opposite of all of that. Let's go to where all the, the tourists and where the sikat, you know, that are, <laughs> yeah. all the, like the cool people are and check out the luxury vibe. Now, interestingly enough, if you watch these vlogs, I find this of all travel vloggers uh -huh. that they end up having a hidden focus on something. So although they're talking about travel and lifestyle, mm -hmm. <laughs> David and Crystal constantly like, okay, now before we go on this road trip or before we get on this plane or before we get to dinner, we're going to go visit this coffee shop, right? <laughs> and so there's a hidden focus on coffee. So yeah. they're very much into the coffee arts and third and I would even say fourth wave coffees for that matter. Yeah. And they're very much into dining as well. And because he's also a lifestyle blogger, he, there's also lots of product placements. Oh. <laughs> so there's constantly like showing us stuff, which is fine. Their focus bills. again has been really on cool luxe or cool luxury and being able to chillax and having that chillaxing vibe. But they have a very decidedly millennial view on how life should be about recreation. Mm -hmm 
relaxation and discovery. So quite often you'll hear them exclaim, oh, look, look what I've, what we've discovered. Hey folks. Hey guys, look what we discovered. Right now I, I will say it's all in Tagalog, but you can put on the closed captioning. The reason why there is a focus again on lifestyle and cool luxury and chill vibe and going to these tourist destinations is, is that David himself started off a decade ago as a male fashion blogger and influencer. And believe it or not, his site, I think it's called DG Manila or something like that at DJ Manila, mm-hmm. um, started off as part of a college school project. And he was mostly interested in photography before writing content, oh, yeah. but he very much was about styling. That's what he did. And so he would focus on styling and lifestyle and luxury. And then now his empire in content creation and digital creation has allowed him now to focus more on travel. And so that's what he's been doing. And then some of his interviews too, he's also mentioned that he now has the staff to be able to do oh, wow. so He's got editors and stuff like that. Well, I mean, if you've got 320 you got something. subscribers, and then he's hawking all those things. But I do like have that. to say, Kuya, I took a quick look at something. Mm-hmm. I'm loving yeah. that David's bringing back loose pants, the most comfortable yes. like chinelas. Yeah. Like right now, I'm yes. sure I'm like, he's wearing like these fuzzy gray ones. I think it's his entry on June 3rd. And it's just these I'm like, uh, the pants are coming back, Kuya. No one's wearing tight pants no more. And everyone's comfortable. No, like, no, he, no, It's no. just so leisurely. Like, he looks comfortable. Yeah, he is all about the fashion and what you would need to look like when you're traveling. Oh, yeah. In a lot of ways. And I appreciate that. And it's him and Crystal, and they check out these wonderful places. Like, you're not about ecotourism mm-hmm. and off the beaten path, then he's your guy to go visit and follow and see how he experiences the Philippines with his friends and Crystal. Yeah. So it's really wonderful. I really like watching him and hearing him talk. And then there's also like a sense of humor along the way. And although he won't claim necessarily outright that this is also partly a hidden focus on coffee <laughs> and dining, yeah. there's a lot of coffee drinking. And it's always interesting about like the different types of coffees that he'll get. It's like, oh, we're going to have a mo- Matcha, matcha latte today. Oh, today we're going to get like some type of cold brew with <laughs> extra vanilla topping and whipped topping on top of it. And it's like, how do people even know about this? Now, clearly I'm not a millennial, but <laughs> I'm just so surprised at it. But really fun. And it's really interesting to kind of see what they recommend. And so I sometimes take notes of sometimes what he's going to okay. recommend. So the next time I'm back in the Philippines and I'm in ever in the areas that he's been in, then it'll be like, oh, let's check out this coffee place. So cool, lovely. Relax, chillax, recreation, established places. He's your guy for travel all throughout the Philippines. The other travel vloggers that I wanted to kind of highlight for you, Sigs, that I also follow are, and I just recently discovered them, and so I've just been watching them, and I've fallen in love, is Jan and Anne. Okay. They're actually Filipino-Canadians. They've got dual citizenship. No way. And they're from Canada and transplanted themselves back to the Philippines. Oh. So again, a couple who moved from Edmonton, Alberta to the Philippines to really pursue their dreams of wanting to be content creators and seem to have had this call to come back to the Philippine islands. So they were previously self-employed doing social influencing, but I think after some trips back to the Philippines together, did it click for them that perhaps maybe what they need to be doing digital content creation on is the Philippines itself. And so they wow. made the big jump and I've been traveling. <laughs> I've been, I guess I have been traveling in some ways with them. And they take on this kind of wonderlust travel style vlogging of the Philippines. And in fact, if you go to their YouTube channel, it's like, where to next oh. as their banner on their YouTube 
and they're fairly new to the scene. Oh, yeah. So they have over 23,000 subscribers and they vlog consistently since last year. So they've been up since January of 2021. So as you can see that they actually started in the midst of the pandemic. Oh my so gosh. how brave of them and how much courage did it take to kind of like say, you know what, we're going to do, do our dreams and focus themselves accordingly. So the focus of their blog has really been about searching out hidden gems and hidden paradises and collecting experiences and stuff like oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they also have also focused on showcasing unique accommodations and destinations. Now, I don't know that I would necessarily kind of stay at the accommodations that they've had or do some of the activities. But it's been fun to watch. And I think to myself, if any of my nephews or nieces who are themselves millennials wanted to do this, some of this stuff, but I could watch from a veranda, <laughs> like then, How about then it? All, all the more to it. But I have to tell you, there was at one point they were in Shergao going to the coconut yeah. grove there. And at one point it was raining and they're on motorcycles. And of course, they're obviously motorcycling at what seems like a fast pace. But at some point, Jan turns to the camera and says, yes, we're just driving slowly. <laughs> and then Anne says, yeah, he said that for his mother. He says, yes, mom, I'm driving. That's so funny. So, That's so funny. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, my God, that would be totally my nephews right now if they were vlogging and were doing something like this. In any event, very much a millennial focus on exploring without much plan or planning to wherever they get to. So they do a lot of planning to get somewhere. And then when they get there, it's like whatever feeling takes them or whoever they run into, they decide, oh, we're going to go do this fun thing. Now, what I have to say, Sigs, and I didn't realize this until just this Pride weekend, yeah. is, is that I've noticed that millennials and Jan and Ann are part of this, of course, that they rely on crowdsourcing their information oh. in terms of what they're going to explore and check out. So if they decide, oh, yeah, let's do this thing that we've heard mm -hmm. about, then they'll jump onto the Internet, research it, and then do whatever it is that they're supposed to do at that mm -hmm. point, which I think is so interesting because I've thought to myself, like, you know, many times if I don't know something, I'll ask locals. That's right. You yeah. know, but they first instinct is to actually go to the Internet to ask all these questions. And I just think, oh, that's fascinating. And I saw that happen at Pride. Like I, oh, you yeah. know, I had observed, if you will, some young millennials where they were trying to find a quiet spot for Pride. And I had actually, because they were standing in front mm -hmm. of me and they were getting a little bit frustrated with the crowds around mm -hmm. us. And Ferd, my friend and I looked over and tried to give them some gentle advice. And they said, okay, thank you for your suggestion. But then they all just went to their phones to then, <laughs> you know, see. And I thought, I don't think you're going to find the exactly. answer there. I'm right? the but anyways, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It was just really fascinating. And I thought, oh, like they did that too. So it's interesting to see them also as they cut away, like they'll be on their phones, yeah. like looking for information. So that was just an interesting, interesting observation, just generationally speaking. But just as much as David and Crystal have a hidden focus, they also have a hidden focus. And and I've noticed that their hidden focus is finding Instagrammable locations oh, and finding value, yeah. right? So you'll find that a lot of their blogs are, is it worth 3,000 pesos for this? Is it worth yeah. 2,500 pesos for this? Or look what you can get for 500 pesos. Mm -hmm. I've, from that point on, have noticed that it's like, oh, like you're speaking directly to who you think your audience is, which I think are other millennials, so. you know, who yeah. are looking for budget-friendly Options, adventures yeah. in a lot of ways. So 
and again, it's clear that their focus is on them, not necessarily like a Gen Xer like you or oh, myself exactly. or a baby boomer for that matter. But they're still fun to watch. They're endearing to watch. And in some ways, they remind me of my nephews and nieces <laughs> in terms of traveling the Philippines. It's fun to watch. I think if you're ever looking for some kind of travel vlogging content, it's something to kind of check into. I'll so, take a look. I don't know if you saw anything interesting as you kind of peruse the, through their YouTube channel. The quality of like some of their videos, it's just... It's inviting, and you're right about Instagrammable. Like, people want to go, I think you said this on a previous podcast, like, people are selling the memory. Create the memory. Yeah. This instant create the right. memory. Before old school, we'd, be, we'd have our cameras and their thing, and you just, oh, you know, I got my camera here. I'll, I'll take a picture. Here, like, people are searching out. I want to find that sunset. I want to find that palm tree. It's uh, emulated. And you're right. It's that Instagrammable piece. But, like, their feed's gorgeous. Like, there's just gorgeous shots. Like, I'm like, how it's do you get that? It's gorgeous scenery. Yeah. And they'll tell you to, again, relying on the internet to teach them things. Mm -hmm. Like they've talked about how Skillshare and micro-credentialing on the internet has helped them actually become better vloggers, right? In terms of how to use the drone, how to actually do editing, how to think about lighting and stuff like that. So interesting that millennials and children of that generation are very much reliant on crowdsource information Mm -hmm. and the result for them is wanting to make a travel vlog and they've interestingly have done that. What I also think is interesting is that they've had that call to the island, which is really what our culture capital topic is uh-huh. of the week is this connection to the islands and they do this. So Crystal and David do this as well, which is that, and I find of this of all travel vlogs and it doesn't matter if they're showcasing the Philippines, showcasing Thailand, showcasing uh-huh. even Canada for the matter. I find that all travel vlogs follow the same narrative, which is there's this big drone sweeping (laughs) shot of the landscape, then followed by pictures of one or both of the vloggers frolicking in that landscape. And then as they zoom back in, they say, hey, folks, welcome back to the vlog. (laughs) You know, and on this latest installment, they're going to tell you what they're going to visit and how the story ends being subtly and sometimes encouraged to kind of come visit this place. Mm -hmm. Or they end off on a sunset of this is paradise on earth and stuff like that. So, of course, it's really enticing and it really encourages you to connect with the islands in some way, shape or form. I'm sure you've had that experience, but that's very much overall the general narrative. Uh, No. I, I totally agree. It's that it's capturing that and trying to entice you to, to make that connection. Yeah. Right? And that enticing and that connection to me, I was thinking about mm-hmm. this earlier today is that it's really just a metaphor for, at least for us, I think is connecting with our culture and our heritage and history. So sometimes when I get, yeah. you know, missing, when I have this kind of feeling of missing the Philippines, sometimes going to these travel vlogs, just kind of remind or refresh myself again, kind of like my connection to the culture, history, and heritage. And it kind of comes together when you see it all in this one place or in one geography. And to me, at least, Mm -hmm. there's something very visceral about the experience of watching a travel vlog or even visiting the island themselves. So when I go there, it's kind of like I feel all three things happen together at once. Again, the culture, history, and heritage kind of coming together. So when I think about Mm -hmm. that and that metaphor, visiting geography means thinking about space or location as culture Mm -hmm. or space or location as heritage and space or location as history. Uh I don't know if I have any thoughts about that, but that's kind of what I was meditating on today in terms of today's culture capital topic. No, I think you hit the nail on the head of just marrying that. If you don't have that, I think these people like create that wanderlust for you to 
to connect in that space like that. And it's so funny, whatever. I haven't even been to the islands. Like I haven't been to the Philippines, but this makes and me yet you feel connected. It, it is because in my head or whatever, my mom describes these places or if they see these places like, oh, that's what it looks like. That's that beauty. Like in my head sometimes, too, I always think there's always this picture of my family in Baguio. In front of this, like, mm. there's, a, and I'm sure you've posed by it. There's like this post, and people always pose by it. I'm like, I want to go there. My mom's like, that's what it is. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, like, you see it, you see in the picture, it makes you want to go there, right? Like, that's just like, it's the setting. And, and there's connection yeah. to that setting where, like, my family's been there, they've been there. Like, it's just one of those little places where you visit, and it's a part of the Philippines. And it, I understand it. For someone that hasn't traveled there, I understand that that geography is important and that, that call to the islands, like, it's there. Does that make sense? Is that sort of weird? And it's because all those three things kind of come together the minute you either see it or experience Mm -hmm. it. You know, whether you're seeing it over one of these travel vlogs or experiencing it in person. Mm -hmm. Again, these three things kind of come together in that one place. Kind of reminds me in some ways of Big Little Man, Alex Tizon, the author that we had reviewed many seasons earlier where he talked about how he had traveled all the way to Mactan Island to kind of stand where Lapu Lapu when he defeated the Spanish yeah. conquistadors that had landed there and that as he felt the sand underneath his feet, he felt powerful. And that's just a beautiful example of how culture, heritage, history kind of come all together. And that in that one moment, he felt instantly connected to all of those things and the islands itself. And I have to say, when I see these travel videos, the same thing happens for me. I'm always reminded of our culture, our history, and our heritage. And so when I think about kind of our culture and our connection to the islands, the people that vloggers meet along the way, which is kind of typically part of these vlogs, Mm -hmm. really highlight our hospitality and care or sometimes the willingness to help. So you'll see these people helping, you know, some of the vloggers along the way, providing direction or advice or whatever the case may be. And it's not out to kind of rip off anybody. Mm -hmm. It's more like, no, we want to help you. And then we also see positivity in people's faces as well. So there's lots of happy faces of the locals, despite any difficulties. And then what I'm always amazed at is kind of like, oh, Filipinos will do anything to kind of create tourism in the area. And so I really also see in terms of our culture being highlighted in these travel vlogs, ingenuity and a can-do spirit. So one of the vlogs showed these floating verandas as they kind of went through different lagoons as a way of being able to experience them. And I thought, smart. And then again, that's Filipino ingenuity. You know, I don't know necessarily that that would have been thought up at least by anyone else, not anytime too soon. But when I think about the history Mm -hmm. too, I think sometimes when some of these vlogs visit some of the more cosmopolitan or urban areas of the Philippines, Mm -hmm. we see a lot of the architecture Architecture that reminds me at least of the history of why, of how colonials came by and the mishmash of different architectural styles. But I think what's also interesting too is like all the wonderful, rich natural resources that we see, which always reminds me too that this is what the Philippines was known for was trading some of these rich resources, at least pre-colonial times to Chinese and South Asians before the Spanish and the missionaries arrived. Yeah. And then finally, like when I think about these travel vlogs, they also remind me of our heritage. So as I was talking about before, like all these different colonial influences coming on the Philippines, because they of course represent what we've inherited from these colonial influences, how it's all brought together is really done in a coherent form that I think is uniquely Filipino. Like how they somehow seemingly bring American influences, Spanish influences, Catholic missionary iconography, 
even Chinese nods to pre-colonial trading and stuff like that brings it beautifully together. And I think to myself, that's uniquely Filipino. And I think you kind of see this sometimes in the fusion coffee shops Mm -hmm. and how they decorate some of the fusion coffee shops or restaurants that some of these vloggers will visit. And then also like the modernization of certain established tourist destinations like Boracay or Surgao or soon to be Mm -hmm. La Union, which again, kind of like combine what I would say are Filipino sensibilities with westernized comforts. So that's kind of when I think about these travel vlogs, they're more than just kind of showcasing the islands. They're there to kind of showcase all also our culture and our history and our heritage. And I think that that's what makes all of that beautiful. I've said a lot there. I don't know if there's any comments that you wanted to make, you know, in terms of what I've just kind of outlined for our our listeners. No, I feel like you're inciting like Wanderlust and I just want to lose myself in like Mm. these vloggers. Like I think they're great. And we'll make sure that we put their information in these show notes. Like I, I feel like you're just starting off summer and just trying to making us all try to find our own connection with the islands. Yeah. So I think that that kind of leads us to our fixing of the week is that the fixing of Mm -hmm. the week is really about not only connection to the islands, but connection with our culture. And I think easy ways of us being able to do this in the diaspora of course is through food and visiting family but I just want to encourage our listeners out there to find Filipino vloggers that you connect with like the ones that we've mentioned and that we'll put in our show notes and find something that you can connect with in terms of what they showcase on their YouTube channel so I'll leave it at that sake so unless there's anything else that you wanted to add I think I think you should take us out we love email and we want to hear more from you guys, from our listeners, the Hollow Hollow podcast. Email us. Tell us some of the vloggers that we should be following on Culture at gmail.com. The Hollow Hollow podcast is available wherever you get podcasts. Rate us and leave a review. We're on social media, Twitter, our handles at Pop, and we're on Instagram at Culture. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chal Turingen, and we'll see all of you guys again real soon. See you guys soon.